On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. You are committed to work only when you're at work and not before work, after work and so forth, which may very much have been the case, you know, even just a couple of years ago. We've heard a lot lately about quiet quitting. But what is it really and how can you stop it from happening at your business? Another $26 million of child care business incentive grants were awarded this past week. We'll tell you where some of the money went. And in our business profile, we'll talk with a professional business coach about relevant items now post-pandemic. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of September 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. It's now the hot trend or collection of buzzwords, quiet quitting. It's actually not a new concept, but it is important for business owners to know what it really is and how to make sure it does not adversely affect their operations. David Leeds is CEO of Tango Card, a gift card rewards and services company. He has studied the current quiet quitting trend to help his business clients avoid it happening to them. Yeah, so I think when people say quiet quitting, and I think it's a good question because you know people define this in various ways and people get nervous about this for different reasons, but I think the core idea behind quiet quitting is that people show up to work and will give 100% of their effort, their dedication, their commitment while they're at work, you know, and so that might be between the hours of quote unquote nine and five. But then, you know, once five o'clock rolls around, they're out. They unplug from work and really just start focusing on other things in their lives that are important and bring joy. So it really is this idea that you are committed to work only when you're at work and not before work, after work and so forth, which may very much have been the case even just a couple of years ago. So this is different from someone who might be just kind of sleepwalking through their job. You're talking about making life a divider plate as opposed to being strapped to your cell phone or having uh, this concept of having to be available 24-7. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, and I think what some people mix in here really is the idea that some people really do have two jobs these days. And you can do that because you're working from home and you can put in maybe 50% of effort and get paid full-time at one company and 50% effort and get paid full-time somewhere else. That's something else. And that's a different management challenge. But this is really just the idea that, look, if you call me or text me about a work, you know, something at 8 p.m., I'm not going to pick up. I'm not going to respond to your email. I'm not going to respond to your text. Now, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm on it but I don't commit my entire life and interrupt other parts of my life for the job that I'm doing professionally. Now, some of us have a problem with that. We're dialed in all the time doing radio. I need to know if the station's off the air. So there are certain jobs where there's a a reason for it, but I've also had bosses who have made it very clear. They say, I may work nights and weekends, but I don't expect you to respond. And they're honest about it. It's not a trap. Is that one of the ways that a manager, a supervisor, a boss can set the ground rules, make it clear to employees that they should have a well-rounded life? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some really important things that you 
said even just in that question. You know, the first is I do think it's very important for managers to say what you just said, which is, look, you may hear from me via Slack or other messaging services or via email or something like that. I don't expect you to respond. You know, you may see me online working in other times. I don't expect you to respond or engage until regular business hours. But you have to be honest about that because as a manager, a lot of people will see you doing that and then will say, well, geez, if he or she is working, then I should be working. So you really have to be honest. And I know this is an overused word, but authentic about that and not just say it and not mean it. So I think that's really important. And then I think that being transparent and communicating that broadly across the company, and that can be in company meetings, that can be in employee handbooks, it could be preferably in all of that stuff where you just make it clear that it is okay you know, to only work during, you know, whatever your defined business hours. And some people like you, like me, have jobs that require us to work outside of those hours. So if you are a manager, knowing that, A, it's hard to get workers, depending on the industry, but I think it's almost just transcending any industry. It's hard to get workers. It's hard to keep good workers. And so this is a uh, an employee's market if you will. So what can a company do to cultivate a good environment to make sure that the employees are responsive when they should be, to make sure that you keep stability of a team together? It's really interesting because even if you rewind 10 years, you know, you'd hear people talking about HR organizations and VPs of HR. And and in many ways, I, I think people kind of didn't give enough credit or or when you said VP of HR or you said the HR organization, I'm not sure it was given the weight that it is given today. More often today, you'll see titles like chief people officer or VP of people and that kind of thing. And it's actually a meaningful transition. And I think it's actually become, frankly, one of the hardest jobs out there because of some of the things that we're talking about here. Because, you know, set aside this notion of quiet quitting, it is an employee's world right now. Most people have multiple job offers because most companies allow you to work from almost anywhere. It really puts kind of the power, if you will, in the hands of employees. And so as an organization, and certainly for chief people officers, it's really hard, but it also boils down to some basics. I mean, number one is you have to have a really good company, and that could be defined by the products that you make, the services you offer. It could be how much money you're making, whatever. It could be a range of things that's very attractive. It could be something very kind of high-tech in nature that just really attracts people. The second is you really have to provide some level of meaning for people. And that can be the culture of the company. It could be ways that you, you know, give back to the community. It could actually be team building exercises that you do, which fewer companies do now because a lot of us aren't together all the time. You know, all those things this will sound like a a plug for what we do because this is what we do, but 83% of companies now use, you know, non-cash incentives. They use things like gift cards, but not limited to gift cards to really engage their employees, recognize performance that's above and beyond. A lot of companies will have peer-to-peer recognition. So you can really say thank you. And that kind of additional recognition, those additional kind of points of joy, Companies don't do them because other companies are doing them. They do it because it drives results. And number one, companies that use non-cash incentives have three times higher revenue growth than those that don't. 
and they have much lower turnover. The point, though, is it's really that range of things. I mean, you have to have a great company. You have to have a solid culture. And it really benefits companies that use these kind of spot rewards and non-cash incentives to really help tie it all together. David Leeds of Tango Card online at tangocard.com. We spoke via Zoom on Thursday, September 8th. Still to come, child care grants for business and we'll reconnect with a business coach about her clients' needs these days. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Hoover Presidential Foundation is hosting a very special guest at its annual celebration banquet. Claim your seats now to see President George W. Bush as he chats with Margaret Hoover, host of the PBS series Firing Line, live and in person on Friday, October 7th at the Doubletree in Cedar Rapids. Individual ticket sales end this Tuesday, September 20th to see President George W. Bush. Get your tickets now at hooverpresidentialfoundation.org. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, sponsors of upcoming workshops on recycling and community improvement in Tama on September 19th and Cherokee on September 21st. For information or to register, go to iwrc.org. Earlier this year on this program, we talked at length about how improving child care options was key in businesses attracting and keeping workers. One of the recommendations of the Governor's Child Care Task Force was to incentivize business engagement in child care. That led to the Child Care Business Incentive Grant Program. This past Tuesday, the governor announced the awarding of another $26.6 million in grant funding to 23 projects across the state. It's intended to help businesses jumpstart new child care opportunities and make it easier for Iowans to find child care options through their employer. So far, the state has made awards to 191 projects with nearly $76 million in funding along the way helping to create nearly 11,000 new child care slots. Among recipients this past week, Sukup Manufacturing in Sheffield, Dyersville Industries in Dyersville, Mercy One Siouxland Medical Center in Sioux City, Linking Families and Communities in Fort Dodge, Danfoss Power Solutions in Ames, West Liberty Foods in West Liberty, and Allen Memorial Hospital VGM Group in Waterloo. Applications are still being accepted through midday on October 17 at iowagrants.gov. Coming up, helping businesses reach their fullest potential. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. With the return of college football, don't miss the cover story in the September-October issue of Iowa History Journal about gridiron legends Jack Trice and Duke Slater. Also, Read how tent shows reign supreme, how a Waterloo business helped make donuts popular, and how an Iowan walked across the state and earned a seat in the Senate. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com.
Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the annual competitive dashboard data by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile, we'll reintroduce you to Heather Marquez of Action Coach Mind Links in Waterloo. We talked with her during the first season of this program about the work she did with businesses. Now, as businesses are looking to thrive post-pandemic, despite a recession, we reconnected to talk about her work and how her clients' needs may have changed. So when I first started my business, I started it with the idea that I wanted to help change the face of leadership in the Cedar Valley. And that was a really important part of what I was doing. So it was focused on leadership development and training. It was focused on executive coaching, those with with teams. But then I started to realize, one, I missed a lot of the cold, hard business metrics that I had worked with throughout my career. And Two, there was a really large underserved group of small business owners that needed education, but they didn't necessarily always see themselves as leaders, even when they had a team. And so that's where I started to cross the streams from taking all of the business knowledge and experience I had and blending it with the leadership experiences and creating programs that served not just executives of bigger teams or in bigger companies, but also being able to serve those small business owners so that they could maximize their results with their team. They could think about their business in a different way. And most small businesses didn't really start out thinking, I'm going to own a business, so I'm going to go to school for business. Most of them had a passion or a hobby. Somehow they fell into it. Maybe it was a succession plan in a small business. But they just didn't start out with that plan. And so they don't often know what they don't know. There was a lot of education gaps. And my business has evolved over the past eight or nine years into trying to fill some of those gaps. And one of the big parts is taking all of the dots of knowledge that they either have or maybe they've had and they forgot they had and combining those in a different way where it creates blinding flashes of the obvious. So whether I'm working with a leader of a team or a business owner, there's all these different points of education that help them get the best results in their organization through their teams, through their financials, maximizing their time. And it really starts out with asking good questions so that they can get clarity on where is it that they want to go And then we identify the gap between where they're at and where they want to go and start to build the bridge to get them there. So that's a lot of what I have been really honing in on. And, you know, whether we're leading ourselves through time management or leading a bigger team, there's a lot of responsibilities of a small business or a team leader at an executive level that are crossing over. We all have metrics. We all have people that are in our care that we're responsible for. And so I've found it easier as time has gone by to blend those two in a way that helps whoever it is I'm working with move along that path a little bit faster, but also in a way that builds confidence. Sometimes what I do is just about 
holding the space for somebody and believing in them, believing in their idea, their business long enough for them to believe in it themselves so that they can fly and accomplish whatever it was that they set out to do. For many people, it may be a situation that, to your earlier point, there are various dots of information, but they are too close to see it in a way to connect the dots, or again, they need the reinforcement of someone who can assure them that they're on the right path or direct them gently into a place that they otherwise would never get to. Absolutely. And we saw during COVID where there were a lot of small business owners who knew their business in and out, but they're really, they were acting as the technician at that point. And so they, they hadn't hit the pause button enough to look up and see what was going on around them and be open to doing some things a little differently. And it became a tremendous hardship on them. And so for me, my role really became helping them look up, get past the weeds, see the bigger picture, and then figure out what were the strategies that we needed to put in place that were going to help them not just survive through challenging business times, but also thrive. And we know if we were to map out all of the crises that we have faced as a country, as a global community throughout the years, every year there's some crisis that happens. It's like clockwork. There is some crisis. We all think, oh, it has never been this bad. The sky is falling. How could it ever get better? And it really just takes a partnership of somebody who's not so close to point out or ask questions in order to get you thinking a little bit differently and on a path where you have hope and different perspective and where you can connect all those dots in a different way. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting someone to verbalize it because, for example, let's say I'm considering my business, I may pour over ideas, I may type things, I may do all of it, but it's very inner-directed. It requires, though, someone saying, tell me about it, to force me to verbalize it and where I actually hear it. And so sometimes there's a bit of discovery just in the conversation with a trained professional who's there to help maximize whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And it's so interesting. We always think we know the plan. And I myself work with a coach. Mm -hmm. We always think we have the plan in our head. We have the answers. We have the path. But we can't always see that thing that's holding us back from the next level of success. And that's where having somebody be able to ask you questions that make you dig a little bit deeper than the first blush of answering it really helps. When we can dig a couple of layers down, all of a sudden, a new path gets revealed, a new answer, a new solution, and a new way of moving forward. And sometimes it's just getting out of our own head. The thing I love most about coaching is it's a safe space for people to share their ideas, their struggles, their fears, all of those things that they maybe wouldn't feel comfortable telling others in an environment that's judgment-free And I don't have skin in the game, win or lose. I want the best for everybody, but I'm not married to any of these ideas or any of these thoughts. I'm just married to the success of my clients. And so I look at it from a different lens than what maybe their family members who are trying to keep them safe 
or their friends who are risk adverse might look at something. They might say, oh, that's a crazy idea. Why would you ever go down that path? And I'm going to ask, well, tell me a little bit more about why that idea interests you so much. And tell me what you're doing to flesh out that idea. Have you looked at all of the financials? Have you started to create a plan? What's the vision 10 years from now with that? So there's a lot of questions that can be asked to help somebody build their confidence in their concepts, their ideas, in the business, the current state of things that maybe they can't talk about with everybody else because of the fear of judgment. And COVID was a great example of this. So many business owners were struggling from a mental and financial standpoint. But it's hard to go and tell that to your friends or your family. Or people who have a vested interest yes, in it. Yes, yes. And so many people think, oh, small business owners are just independently wealthy. Well, they're not. That's oh. not how it works. So there's a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges. And sometimes just having that thinking partner who helps you answer the hard questions, maybe face the hard decisions with a little bit of confidence can make the difference between surviving or not, thriving or not. And that's really my focus every single day with my clients is helping them see the things that could be obstacles or the things that are holding them back that maybe they just don't want to admit yet or don't feel like it's okay to talk about in most circles. So it's creating a safe space for them to get out of their head and start creating a plan for forward movement. Heather Marquez of Action Coach Mind Links in Waterloo, online at heathermarquez.actioncoach.com. We spoke in Waterloo on Wednesday, September 14th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small and medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.